I'm Bill Lawrence, and this is my big bag of onions. The cough made to California, broken hearts and bars unknown. And through this night we'll share a lover On that dog radio Had a soul made me so lonely Hands pressed cold against the phone The young stars
So for me, I had two watershed moments that made me want to set up this blog. And um, the first one is sort of shown behind me. And it's, it was found in an issue of Cosmopolitan. And it was on the one side, there was this big feature called Body News. And the essential message behind it is be confident within yourself, love your own body, and then your own beauty will shine through. All you need is self-confidence. And that was directly juxtaposed on the other side with a massive plastic surgery advert where the woman is holding up a big placard saying, I've just had my breast done, but the biggest change you'll see is on my face. And I think what I find most sinister about that is that the ad has taken from the editorial on the other side, has taken this idea that confidence is really central to your being and has used it to push, you need to change your looks to really get that confidence. And this is why women's magazines can be so sinister, because they use insecurity marketing. So a lot of what's inside of these magazines um, is sort of product driven. And to get you to buy the products, they need to make you feel insecure about something. They need to keep creating those problems. And they can't exist without the advertising revenue. So that's how this all comes together. Here she starts, hear her cry 
The very least he owes me is a body, a thumb, a wrist bone, the big barrel of his chest. But there my father sits, grey soot in a gold cube. Astroturf covers the hole in the earth that's not big enough to fit his calloused foot. People stand, talk about my father as if he's still whole, an efficient, frugal man with thick white hair and green eyes a lover of conglomerate rocks and geometry. Incinerated now, he's ready to be lowered. The earth sinks under my chair legs, tipping me forward, and I feel myself falling, falling. You're listening to Bill's Big Bag of Onions.
the dog has not been fed in years It's even worse than it appears Cause it's alright The cow is given courtesy The kid can read his 17 So my moment of truth did not come all at once In 2010, I had the chance to be considered for promotion uh, from my job as Director of Policy Planning at the U.S. State Department. This was my moment to lean in, to push myself forward for what are really only a handful of the very top foreign policy jobs. And I had just finished a big 18-month project for Secretary Clinton successfully, and I knew I could handle a bigger job. The woman I thought I was would have said yes. But I had been commuting for two years between Washington uh, and Princeton, New Jersey, uh, where my husband uh, and my two teenage sons lived, and it was not going well. I tried on the idea of eking out another two years in Washington, or maybe uprooting my sons from their school and my husband from his work and asking them uh, to join me. But deep down, I knew that the right decision was to go home, even if I didn't fully recognize the woman who was making that choice. That was a decision based on love and responsibility. I couldn't keep watching my oldest son make bad choices without being able to be there for him when and if he needed me. It's a real puzzle. There have been lots of social scientists, psychologists, psychotherapists trying to puzzle out what the origins of disgust are, even cultural historians. There's a huge motley array of things that make us feel revolted, from filthy items, from clothing, from food, from certain sorts of insects, even to moral disgust. It's been a puzzle to them and to me for a very long time about why those range of apparently unconnected things actually do all occasion disgust. I was studying the problem of how to get people to be more hygienic to try and prevent disease in developing countries and I'd been doing some anthropological studies into understanding hygiene and I kept coming across this list of things that people couldn't really explain why they wanted to get them out of their lives. They just said, they're disgusting. And it turned out that that list of things was actually all in the index of a tropical medicine handbook that I was looking at. So a kind of light went off for me. It seemed suddenly, eureka, there does seem to be a connection between all those things that disgust us and infection. You're listening to Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Oh, 
The annual meeting of the National Rifle Association is coming up in May. It's scheduled for Dallas, and if past events are any guide, gun injuries may actually go down in Texas during the event. Jana and his team discovered that surprising link by tracking visits to hospitals and emergency rooms for gun injuries during nine years' worth of NRA conventions. And they found the number of people hurt by guns dropped 20% during NRA meetings, compared to the same days of the week three weeks before and after the show. There's no definitive causal link here, but the researchers do have a few ideas. First, could be avid gun users are at the show, away from their guns, or shooting them in more supervised situations, and thus unable to injure themselves or others. Or, if some members of a regular gun club are out of town, maybe the group postpones its meetup the week of the show, thus avoiding accidents that otherwise might have occurred. The NRA didn't respond to a request for comment in time for this report, but Jana said their objection might be, why would gun injuries decline 20% if only a few percent of gun owners actually make it to the show? And assuming you believe guns are inherently unsafe, people who shoot their guns a lot might also be more prone to injury than those who keep them locked away all year, which would mean that NRA conventions might actually protect some gun owners from themselves.
question from my young daughter Alia around the time when she was three. We were walking along with my husband in one of Abu Dhabi's big fancy malls. Alia was peering at a huge poster standing tall in the middle of the mall. It featured the three rulers of the United Arab Emirates. As she tucked at my side, I bent down and explained that these were the rulers of the UAE who had worked hard to develop their nation and preserve its unity. She asked, Mom, why is it that here where we live, and back in Lebanon, where grandma and grandpa live, we never see the pictures of powerful women on the walls. Is it because women are not important? This is probably the hardest question I've had to answer in my years as a parent, and in my 16 plus years of professional life for that matter. I had grown up in my hometown of Lebanon, the younger of two daughters, to a very hardworking pilot and director of operations for the Lebanese airlines, and a super supportive stay-at-home mom and grandma. My father had encouraged my sister and I to pursue our education, even though our culture emphasized at the time that it was sons and not daughters who should be professionally motivated. I was one of very few girls of my generation who left home at 18 to study abroad. My father didn't have a son, and so I, in a sense, became his. Fast forward a couple of decades, and I hope I didn't do too badly in making my father proud of his would-be son. We watch each other in the blue glow of pre-dawn, limbs entwined. We speak with our eyes. I grow hair on my back now, I say. White keratin horns that I pluck when you're not around. A white picket fence is really a series of spears meant to impale the raised chins of children like ours. Please don't make me become what I am. Her eyes collect the shell of my body. My words fare the same. 
At least your horns are white, she says, and in this light your eyes are almost blue. Let's dream a while, shall we?
with the way to go. The Working Man's Dead by the Grateful Dead. Available on Warner Brothers Tapes and Records. You should be able to get your copy by May 15th. Working Man's Dead by the Grateful Dead. Steal one. During the day, the old children trudge around and around, faces to the ground, looking for something they lost. Something shiny, a pack rat, or a crow might love, a coin, a token, a medallion with a prayer on one side and your face on the other. Pick it up. Rub off the dust. Tie it to a red thread around your neck. The brujo lights red candles for you in the cave under the hill. Red, the color of life. Up from Reno, I was trailed by twenty hills. I didn't get to sleep that night till the morning came around. I set out running, but I take my time. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. If I get home before daylight, I just might get some sleep tonight. Ran into the devil and he loaned me twenty bills. I spent the night in Utah in a cave up in the hills. I set out running, but I take my time. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. If I get home before daylight, I just might get some sleep tonight. down to the levee but the, the devil called me there he took my twenty dollar bill and it vanished in the air I set out running but I take my time a friend of the devil is a friend of mine if I get home before daylight I just might get some sleep tonight My heart's delight. The second one is prison bait. The sheriff's on my trail. And if he catches up with me, I'll spend my life in jail. I got a wife in Chino and one in Cherokee. The first one says she's got my child, but it don't look like me. Set out running, but I take my time. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. If I get home before daylight, I just might get some sleep tonight. 
name sweet Anne-Marie And she's my heart's delight The second one is prison bait The sheriff's on my trail And if he catches up with me I'll spend my life in Got a wife in Chino and one in Cherokee. The first one says she's got my child, but it don't look like me. I set out running, but I take my time. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. If I get home before daylight, I just might get some sleep tonight. Everyone knows the best dead is live. The Grateful Dead, a two-record set recorded live at Winterland, Manhattan Center, and the late lamented Fillmore East on Warner Brothers Records. Get back home 
The whipworm is a parasite that infects half a billion people around the world. It lives in the gut, burying its head in the large intestine, causing symptoms like nausea, abdominal pain, and diarrhea. But the worm's place of residence also reveals a potential weakness. The parasite needs to steal some of our own gut bacteria to thrive. Richard Grensis is an immunoparasitologist at the University of Manchester in the UK. Grensis and his team studied that phenomenon in mice, because yes, there's a type of whipworm adapted to them too. And they found that when whipworms hatch, they acquire a fresh microbiome, derived from the host's own microbiome, but with different proportions of species. Without that host contribution, the worms die. But the worms also induce changes in the host's microbiome, tweaking it so the gut is no longer hospitable to hatching. But here's the catch. Go on a hatching spree and the host's immune system's gonna take notice and kick all the worms out. Grensis says the findings might someday lead to a way to selectively target the worms so that whipworms no longer mooch off us or our microbes. psychology in graduate school, I again had the chance to perform experiments and observations on all sorts of animals. I saw the embryo of an angelfish grow from a few single cells to a fully finned thing and 48 hours flat, life putting together its puzzle pieces right before my eyes. I saw stroke victims deny the right sides of their faces and blind sight patients mysteriously read letters despite their dead eyes. I observed people waiting for elevators and had this as my salient question. Why is it that people continuously press the button when they're waiting in the lobby, even though they know, if interviewed, that it won't make the elevator come any faster? What does elevator behavior say about human beings? Oh 
one to two liters of spit. It kickstarts digestion and helps you swallow, and it helps prevent bacterial infection in your mouth. Esther Bullitt, biophysicist at the Boston University School of Medicine. She and her team looked farther down the pipes at whether certain proteins in spit might also disrupt the work of bad bugs in the gut. They grew cells taken from the small intestine of a 51-year-old woman. They also grew a batch of pathogenic E. coli bacteria, the kind that caused traveler's diarrhea. The E. coli have little hair-like extensions on them, called pili, that grab onto the intestinal cells. But fewer of the E. coli were able to successfully attach to the intestinal cells when a particular saliva protein, called histatin-5, was hanging around. You might think of the E. coli like pirate ships, trying to dock at a port. What the histatin-5 does is stop the pirate ships, the bad bugs, from using their ropes, the pili, to dock. The salivary protein can be chemically synthesized, stored as a powder, and dissolved in water, and presumably the resulting liquid is safe. No word yet on whether it might someday be available at the drugstore, but the good news is you're already swallowing some right now. Don't lend your hand to raise no flag Atop no ship of fools Ship of
You're listening to Bill's Big Bag of Onions. These are the golden onions. Well, the first days are the hardest days, don't you worry anymore. Cause when life looks like easy street, there is danger at your door. Now think this through with me. Let me know your mind. Oh, what I want to know is, are you kind? It's a buck, answer's choice, my friend Better take my advice You know all the rules by now And the fire from the ice Now will you come with me? Won't you come with me? Oh, I want to know Will you come with me? seen the like There was a built cannonballs Their motto is don't tread on me Come here Uncle John and play into the tide Come with me go alone Please come take your children home Told me it's the only one he knows Like the morning sun you come And like the wind you go Ain't no time to hate Barely time to wait Oh, I want to know Where does the time go? I live in a silver mine And I call it too. I got me a violin and I beg you call the tune Anybody's choice, I can hear your voice Oh, oh I want to know, how does a song go? Come here, Uncle John's bear by the riverside
Come on along, go along. He's come to take his children home.
I'm Bill Lawrence. Join me again soon for another big bag of onions.